Well, it is good to be out here this morning. Sure is. Um, the Bible, I believe it says four times that, um, that He's the God of a peculiar people. And I believe it says twice He's a God of a peculiar treasure. That's referring to His people. So in this time, it is a very different time that we are living in. But it stands to reason He can be the God of a peculiar time if He can be the God of a peculiar people. Sure. So this morning, I'm just going to take a simple thought. We've heard a lot of scripture about this. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter number 20, if you have a Bible, be turning over there to chapter number 20. And it is an honor to be out here this morning. Good to be behind God's pulpit. I love to be behind a pulpit. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. You know, churches are having to be outside and everything, but I'm glad we're still able to meet. I go up to church up here at Little Ivy up the hill, and we've been running. Before this thing, when I first started going there, we was running probably about 100 to 120 people on Sundays. And, I mean, right before this thing all went downhill, you know, we had up to about, I believe we were running between 160 and 170 people on Sundays. It really, it had been unbelievable. We had, I believe we had three, three families, 12 people in total joined the church. I believe it's two Sunday nights before this all happened. And it's just, I mean, there's been a couple new families come in and some people getting saved. It's been wonderful. And this is a very trying time. I hope and pray they stay in with the thing and stick with the stuff. And they come back when this is all over. But... I just have a simple burden on my heart this morning. This is a very familiar text. I'm going to be reading in Jeremiah chapter number 20. I'm just going to read down through verse number 13 and kind of skip over a few things here. But the Bible says in chapter number 20, verse 1, Now Pastor, the son of Emer, the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pastor smote Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that pasture brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks, then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name pasture, but Magor Misabib. I hope I said that right. Verse number four, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will make him a terror to thyself and to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies. And thine eyes shall behold it, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. And he shall carry them captive into Babylon, and they shall slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city, and all the laborers thereof, and all the precious things thereof, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah, will I give into the hand of their enemies, which shall spoil them, and take them, and carry them to Babylon. <clears throat> Verse number 6 says, And thou, Pasher, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried there. There thou and all thy friends to whom thou hast prophesied lies. O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I'm going to be taking my main thought out of verse number 9 about halfway down through it. I'm going to read on to verse 13 though. The Bible says in verse 10, For I heard the defaming of many 
fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it, all my familiars watched, for my halting, saying, preadventure, he will be enticed, and we will, and, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble, they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten, but, O Lord of hosts, that triest the righteous, and seest the reins and the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee I have opened my cause. Sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord, for he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we sure do love you, and we thank you, God, for the opportunity. Lord, to be in your word just for a moment this morning. God, we pray that we'll be a help to your people. To be, try to be an encouragement, God, to someone in the sanctuary, or maybe someone listening, Lord, by way of internet, God. We pray that you'll just touch them and help them. God, just move in their lives in this day and hour. Lord, there's so many people afraid for their life, and it is so sad. God, it just breaks my heart to see these people out here running to and fro, God. They don't know you. They've never been saved. I pray that you might just work in their hearts and their lives how you see fit, God. Draw them to you through conviction and give them courage to step towards you in faith. Lord, I pray that you'll just touch my mind and my mouth just for a moment this morning. Help me, God, to get across to these people what you've gave to me. Lord, I pray that you'll touch each and every man of God, Lord, that's trying to stand during this time. God, just be with them and uplift them and help them. And God, help us to keep pressing towards you and going towards what you have us to do. God, for the upbringing of your kingdom, we love you, God. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I was reading over this, and I was I, the Lord, he brought a thought into my mind, and I read over a few different passages of Scripture. Um, he brought this thought to my mind, and this is what I'm going to preach on just for a minute. On I, I, I entitled this message, I Believe, I'll Go On. Um, I just want to preach about going on for the Lord. I want to preach about going, just going on for Him, doing what He'd have us to do, even though we're going through a trying time right now. He still wants us to serve Him, to live for Him, and to go for Him. There's no doubt. But we're going to look down through this passage here just a moment at the character of Jeremiah. We're going to look here in just a moment at some things he done. Um, I had it I had it down here in my notes. I, I write most things out in an alliterated outline way because the Lord gives it to me that way, and it helps me understand it and keep up with it. I'm very simple-minded. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of struggles going on right now in this day and this hour. Um, a lot of people are down and out. They're weary of what's going on. But, you know, the Lord, He gives peace that passes all understanding. He can take care of every need that we have. Um, a lot of times we stay so down and out. See, I'm, I'm preaching about, I believe I'll go on. Um, we, I, I think back in different people, different characters in the Bible. Daniel was in a lion's den, but God delivered him, and he went on. Job was almost killed. The Lord allowed the devil to tempt him and to do all things to him. Job's wife said unto him, Why don't you curse God and die? And he told her she spake as a foolish woman. Job went on for the Lord. He believed he would go on no matter what happened. It come, as the saying goes, hell or high water. He thought he was going for the Lord, and he did. He went on for him. The Lord restored what Job had times two, if you'll look through the Bible, at the things he had. I've been stuck up in the book of Job for a while. I've been trying to study through it. It's been help, it's been help to me. I've been looking through it. But I look back to Jonah. He was swallowed up into the belly of hell, into the fish's belly. 
And God delivered him. He cried out to God. God is a God of another chance, not a second chance, but another chance. He gives many chances. Daniel 9, 9 says to the Lord our God belongs mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. There's another chance. And I'm glad that God gives us another chances to go on for him. But I want to look at the character Jeremiah here just for a moment. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations as well. And we know some different things about him here. But I want to read down through chapter number 20. Um, I want to look at my first thought here. In chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, Now Pasher the son of Emer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. We see here in these first few verses, we can read down to verse number 6, but for sake of time, I'm going to hit these right fast. Um, we see Jeremiah's persecution. He's being persecuted here. Um, it says, Now Pasher the son of Amor, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Misabib. I hope I say that right. That's a little bit confusing the name for me. But verse number 2 we see where he smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks. He had Jeremiah bound. He had smote him. He'd hit him. That's what that means. To smote something if it's to hit it. Um, Jeremiah was being persecuted. He was crying out to these people. If we would look back in chapter 19, you don't have to look back there, but I'm going to read this right fast. It says, Then Jeremiah came from Tophet, whether the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring unto this city and upon all her towns all the evil that I have pronounced against it, because they have hardened their necks, that they might not hear my words. We see Jeremiah is prophesying unto these people. They have hardened their necks. God is bringing His judgment in on this. But these people, like it says in verse number 15 of chapter 19, says they've hardened their necks and they might not hear my words. They weren't interested in what Jeremiah had to say. There's a lot of people nowadays, men of God will cry out of the pulpit. They'll thunder out and people don't care what they have to say. They don't care what thus saith the word of the Lord. It don't matter to them. They just brush it off and they don't act like it doesn't mean anything to them. Now at this day and time, we need the Lord more than we've ever needed Him. This time that we're in, we've never, there's never been a time in American history that we have not needed the Lord more than we've needed Him. We've always needed Him. But now we need Him more than ever. This thing is getting unreal. The world, you look out at people wanting to kill, they kill these innocent children in these abortion clinics and things of the sort. They do all this wicked. They kill these people. People will go down the streets. These people will shoot them just for the fun of it. For no reason. There's no reason for the wickedness going on in America today. These people had hardened their necks. Jeremiah was crying out and prophesying to them to try to warn them of what was coming. But we see Pasher the son of Amor, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesied these things. He heard it. Um, I've wrote a few sub-points on my points. I have about four or five points here. I won't be long with them. He see Jeremiah's persecution, but we see where his persecution came from. It says it come from Pasher, the son of Emer, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord. We see it came from within. The persecution to Jeremiah came from within. Most of the time, if you're trying to serve the Lord or do something for Him, persecution will come from 
within the church walls, within your family, within different people that you know and you're close to. <clears throat> I had people, after I announced my call to preach, that stood against me that I never thought would. People that was close to my life I never thought would. Now they'll stand up to you and something like that. They'll, they'll get mad, they'll get bitter, they'll bring up something, brother, that happened five years ago that you don't even have no idea what you're talking about. You've done forgot about it. They'll bring it up, try to run it against you. But we see that the persecution came from inside. Came from inside the house of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It says, it, nor, it says he was also a chief governor in the house of the Lord. A chief governor, that makes me think of maybe it come from a, uh, we've got about four or five young preachers at my church. Maybe it th makes me think it come from a preacher maybe inside the house of the Lord. Maybe a young preacher. That reminds me of somebody well, let's say somebody gets the opportunity to preach more than they do. They get bitter and mad, and they'll persecute them. They'll get mad and slander them, run them down like you've never seen. I mean, I've not, I've not heard of anybody doing it in my church. That's not what I'm saying. That just makes me think of something like that. People, jealousy is what this is. They don't want to cry out against the sin. They want to live in it. But I'm going to look on down here. We see Jeremiah in verse number 3. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks, then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Misabib. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself, and to all thy friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and thine eyes shall behold it. And I will give it all, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive into Babylon, and shall slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city, and all the laborers thereof. And all the treasures of the kings of Judah will I give into the hand of their enemies, which shall spoil them and take them and carry them to Babylon. And thou, Pasher, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried there, there thou and all thy friends to whom that thou hast prophesied lies." I'm not just up here playing on my phone. I promise you I'm getting some more notes out of here. I take some notes on my phone and on my notebook paper. A lot of times the Lord will give me things. I, me and my cousins, we have a lawn and landscape business, and I'll be out mowing or something, and I'll just take my phone out and write down some notes that the Lord may give me. I'll just be thinking on something, you know, and something I may have read that morning, and I'll just take my phone out, and I'll just jot my notes down. But um, we was looking here. I, I'm going to read here when I get towards the end. I've got some notes here I want to hit over on some reasons that we can go on. I'm, I'm trying to focus on the prophet, though, here, Jeremiah, for a moment and try to tell his story about how he was persecuted, but how that he went on. We see that Jeremiah is giving Pasher instructions on what's going to happen to them in the city. It says, Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city and all the laborers thereof and all the precious things thereof and all the treasures of the kings of Judah will I give into the hand of their enemies, which shall spoil them and take them and carry them to Babylon. And thou, Pasher, and all that dwell... And in thine house shall go into captivity, and thou shalt come to Babylon, and there thou shalt die, and shalt be buried there, thou and all thy friends to whom thou hast prophesied lies. We see here that the judgment is going to be coming to them. They, Jeremiah speaking out to him, saying, Thou hast prophesied lies. He's, he's pastor has spoke out against him. He's, they've persecuted him. He smote him. We've learned it's come from the inside. It says, it says in verse 2, you know, it says, or in verse 1, it says in the, he was a chief governor in the house of the Lord. We've learned that it. it's come from inside the persecution has. We see Jeremiah's giving him some instructions on what's going to happen to, unto him as he goes down through here. What's going to happen to Pasher? 
it says, And thou pasture, and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity. They're going to see they're going to it, what's what's coming to them, it, it's coming to them, you know what I'm saying? What's what's going to happen to them is it's on the way to them, it's coming. God's judgment is coming to America. Hey, I believe that the only thing that's been holding it back is the prayers of the saints of God interceding. Because I believe God has given a window of opportunity right now. There's so many lost. I have so many lost friends and family. I have backslid cousins that I love that have probably been way better Christians than I've ever been. Been great, great, great guys. But they've back, they're so far backslid and out of God's will. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. But it's, it can happen to any of us. It happened to me at one point in time. It, 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 don't never get above thinking that you can't mess your life up. You've got to be real, real careful about that. But we see he's giving him instructions here on how to go, uh, what's going to happen to him. We see Jeremiah's persecution in his life. We are being persecuted not to a great degree. I want to be real careful how I word this. Um, the church as a whole, we see the liquor stores are still open. Uh, we see the um, abortion mills are still open. Uh, we see uh, all these things, they're calling essential, but they won't let more than 10 people in the house of God. That makes me plumb wroth in my spirit. I can't. That's unbelievable. That's not right. That's against God. That's against God's word. He's not for that. If you stand for the God of the Bible, that's not right. He is for His people. These people beat all I've ever seen. Like the lady was talking earlier, the governor of Kentucky, they was talking about putting that, the cross and everything. I heard a thing talk about where that they, someone had thrown nails down in a church parking lot where they went in the entrance on Easter Sunday just to have drive-in service. Throwed nails down at the entrance of the parking lot. People having flat tires and all things like that. And he was wanting to take up their tag numbers and stuff like that and send them all a ticket in the mail. Wicked. I mean, just against God beats all I've seen. I've never seen nothing like this. We're seeing persecution as a Christian to a certain degree. We've People have seen it throughout, I mean, hundreds of years there's been persecution against Christians. But right now we're starting to see it again. And it's boiling up in a different form, I think, than we believed it would come. It's come. I mean, I do understand this virus is bad. Don't get me wrong what I'm saying here. It would be very dangerous for someone to contract. I do believe that. I'm not, I'm not a crazy and that's not above what I'm saying. I'm saying here that there is a persecution on the Christian to a certain degree that's happening in America today. It's, it's prevalent. It's real. It's, this is really happening. But Jeremiah, we see, was going through this persecution as well in a little different way. But I'm, we're tying this in here. We're seeing in verse number 7 through verse number 9, we're going to read about Jeremiah's pity. We read about his persecution. We're going to talk about his pity for a moment. Verse 7 says, O Lord, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Jeremiah's feeling very down right here. He's been persecuted, and he's just whooped. He's whooped, as the old saying will go. He's just down and out. He don't know what to do. He's been, this is, this is wore him out. This persecution has hurt him. No doubt it's hurt his feelings. It's hurt his body. He's been smote. He's been hit. It's hurt him physically. It's hurt him mentally. You know, and no doubt it's taken a toll on his spiritual life right here. This is what he's saying. He's saying, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me, for since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. We're going to read down halfway through verse number 9. It says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more 
in his name. We see Jeremiah's pity. He's going through a down and out time. He, he's, he's no doubt, like I said, he's hurt. He sees this is bothering him. We see here in verse number 7, we see that Jeremiah is whining. He's complaining. His complaining has started. The whining has started. If you sit home and get to pitying on yourself real, real long, I'm the captain of this. I've done this a thousand times, and I still do it. I wish I wouldn't. But we'll get home, and we'll get to thinking, well, Lord, I've, I've got it rough. I've, I, this, that, and others happen. And I've, I've, got, I've got to work, thank the Lord, almost six days a week. Uh, yesterday was the only day I've had off since this virus has started. I, so I've been working six days a week since this thing started. That's a blessing. God has blessed me and allowed me to do that. But some people have not been able to do that. And I'll get out there and I'll get to work and I'll think, Lord, I don't want to be here. I want to be at the house. Everybody else is off. I want to be out enjoying myself. But I'm just sitting there pitying on myself when it really is not as bad as it seems. See, there's people that would love to be at work. There's people that would love it. They would love to be at work. They hate sitting at the house. I do hate sitting at home. But I can just think of a thousand other things I'd rather do than be at work. I'll get to pitying on myself and I'll get to whining and complaining. And I'll think, well, I want to, and them boys, I'll have a couple boys that work for me there. They'll say, um, they'll be like, well, or they'll say, they work with me. They'll say, um, I'll say, man, I don't want to be here. I'll get to complaining and I'll whine to them right on and on and on. And then I'll get to thinking, well, Lord, I'm getting to work. Nobody, a lot of people's not. I mean, you really blessed me. I'll get whining and I'll think about it. Boy, we see Jeremiah here, he's whining. He says, oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Jeremiah's been persecuted, and now he's down and out, and he's, he's defeated. He's whining and complaining instead of standing for what he believes in and standing for what he should. He, he does have a change of mind here in a minute. Jeremiah eventually goes on. He believes in his heart, and he goes on. But we're preaching on a moment. We're just trying to think on this subject. If I believe, I'll go on. There's a lot of things going wrong in America today. But Christians, if we have the victory through Jesus Christ, if you've ever been saved, you have the victory and the power through Him to go on, to do something for Him, to keep going. There's no reason to stop and start whining and complaining about it now. Now, I, I'm preaching to myself, probably warn anybody. I do this every day, complain and whine about things. But we see Jeremiah's whining here. But we also see, in verse 80, we see his wavering. It says, For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in derision daily. Halfway down through verse number 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. We see he's wavering. He's not wanting to speak in the Lord's name no more. Not wanting to preach anymore. He's been out there. Jeremiah's been on the battlefield, friend. He's been preaching, I mean, faithfully, Jeremiah has. He's been out there doing this faithfully. He was one of the faithful men of God. You'll find prophesying, preaching. But we see he's in his pity we see he's whining, and now in verse 8 through halfway through number 9, he's wavering. He don't want to speak in the Lord's name anymore. He don't want to preach. He don't want to get up and sing congregationals. He don't want to get up and sing in the choir. He's pitied himself, and he's got so down and out and focused in on his problems instead of on the one that can solve them that he has got down, and now he's wavering. He's saying, well, Lord, is this really worth it? I really don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Sometimes, us preachers especially, we'll get up and preach and we'll feel the devil will jump on your back the second you walk out the back of that door. You'll think, Lord, I have flopped and I've done the worst that I've ever done. And you'll be just about miserable. I mean, and sometimes you'll preach and the Lord will just come by and bless and you'll feel strong. 
and it'll do good. And you'll preach in the morning, and you might preach of the night. And Monday morning, you wake up and you feel like you'd rather crawl in a hole and die as to get up and go to work. It, it, the devil will beat you to death. You'll be wavering. You'll say, Lord, is this worth it? I, I know myself. I've said, Lord, is this worth it? What am I doing? I, I feel like I've got out here and failed and flopped, and I've done the worst I've ever done. But the Lord is always there with us. We don't have to sit and waver if we'll keep our mind on what He has for us in our life instead of pitying ourselves such as Jeremiah did. He was pitying himself. He was thinking on what was wrong. If you sit down, if I sit down over here and dwell all day on what's going wrong and just sit here and think, well, Lord, nothing's going to get any better. If I just talk doom and gloom all day, then it's probably not going to get any better. It's probably going to stay the same. We're not going to just all of a sudden, you know, have a revelation. Wow, I'm going to start feeling better. If you just sit there all day, you've got to put forth the effort. God expects, the Lord expects you to put forth the effort in your Christian life. He does. But we see here, in verse number 9, I also had this thought on the first half of it. He says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him or speak any more in his name. We see Jeremiah, no doubt, through all this, he's weary. He's down. Yeah. He's sad. He's the weeping prophet. He's sad. He's weary. He's had enough. He can't go on any farther. If something don't happen, Jeremiah can't go on any farther. There may be someone here, there may be someone listening in that can't go any farther. They're weary. But the Lord is just around the corner. Don't give up today on what could come around the next two or three minutes. A lot of times, we'll as Christians, we'll give up on what the Lord could bless us with and tomorrow it'll come right by us. And we'll say, well, if I just hung on another minute, I would have been fine. We need to have faith. There's a promise that the Lord gives us. We have to stick with Him and to stick by it. But it turns around here just a little bit. In verse number 9, I'm just going to read the middle part of verse number 9 now. It says, But His Word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. We see that Jeremiah, no doubt, is recalling his past. We see his persecution, his pity. Now we're looking at the thought of his past. Jeremiah's past, no doubt, he was thinking back to some victories that the Lord has done in his life. If we get down and out and the devil starts beating on our back, well, just think back to some when He saved you. Think back to some victories He's given in your life. Think back to when you was praying for that loved one to get saved. When you was just sitting back there, think about something that He's delivered you from, the sickness, the loss. Think of something that He's helped you through. This, recall your past. I can recall so many times in my past some bad things that's happened to me. But on top of that, I can call in my past so many wonderful things that the Lord has done for me. I'll have been saved 11 years coming up April the 28th here. And I'll tell you what, he is, He's done more good for me I, I've not always been faithful to him. I've, I've failed him. I've wavered back and forth. I've done wrong. I, there was one point in my life I got out of church for two and a half years, run directly against what God had for my life. It was totally not of God's will what I was doing. I was running against what he wanted me to do. I wasn't trying to live for him and stay close to him. I'd backslid out of church. I wasn't concerned. I didn't really care. But one day he, he got back a hold of me. Now if you ever really, ever really, really get saved... He will get back a hold of you if you try to stay out of His will. You'll push the, you might keep pushing the conviction down and push it down, but sooner or later, He'll bring you to a crossroads to where He'll come back up and He will bring you back to Him. There's no doubt. He, he, he is a God of restoration. He does not want anyone to live that life. There's no reason to. If you've been out of church any amount of time out there, there's no reason to live that way. But we see here He's recalling His past. God has still been faithful to me. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. 
in the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. Or I live in the, the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. We're living. Not by, I'm not living by my faith because I'm not very, very faithful when it comes down to it. My mind wavers and I wander and I doubt and I, just like every other human being does. And if a man out there says he has no doubt in his mind about things, he's lying. I don't believe that a bit more than nothing. The devil will jump on your back and try to make you doubt everything. He'll try to make you worry and wonder. But God will get you through. It, we're living by His faith, not ours. He's the one that's faithful. He's always been there. Every time I've turned around and I've needed some help, He's always holding on to my hand. I was listening to a song this morning. It says, that uh, talking about God's mighty hand holding on to us. How, how He holds to us. He clings to us. In our times of trouble, we can always turn to Him. He's the present help in a time of need. And I'm very thankful for that this morning. But what Jeremiah is looking back here. He says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. He's recalling his past. We see the reason he can recall his past is because it's coming from within. It's coming from within his heart, within his bones. Jeremiah knows the Lord. Jeremiah has experienced the salvation grace of God. His, we realize that Jesus hasn't come along yet. We do realize that. But... He is doing God's will. He's experienced. Jeremiah is a man of God here. He is going for him. He experiences. He recalls back to that time that the Lord first spoke to him. That he first recognized the Lord. That he first become the one in his heart. First become his God. He's recalling that back. We can recall back, like I said, our salvation. And our, we can look back at our past and recall. If you're saved, you can call, recall your salvation. It will help you. It will strengthen you. I draw strength off of my salvation. It's 11 years old, but it's still holding good. And it's still something I can draw, my, I can draw excitement off of. I don't, you don't have to be. I've never read nowhere in the Bible where that you have to feel an emotional high to celebrate and to praise the Lord for what He's done for you and to thank Him for saving you, to raise your hand. I don't read nowhere in the Bible that you have to be emotionally high to do any of that. Now, I do realize along with that salvation does come emotions. I love to, I mean, I love to stand up, raise my hand, and get up and holler as good as anybody. I love that. But nowhere in your Bible does it say that you have to get up and feel emotions to praise the Lord for what He's done for you. Recall your past. And a lot of times when I get to dwell on what the Lord's done for me and all the things He's done for me, boy, I ride down the road in my car and He'll just come by and sit with me for a while in the passenger seat. And boy, it helps me. But anyway, we see it comes from within. He's recalling His salvation. It's within Him. The Holy Spirit lives within our heart. We can recall that. It's something that lives in us. It's not something that we have to go without. Um, we see here that in the same context of Scripture, it was in His heart as a burning fire shut up in His bones, it says. We see that He couldn't make it without the Lord. It's within Him, but He couldn't make it without Him. We couldn't make it without the Lord. Jeremiah, he, um, he wrote down in Lamentations 3, 23, it says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It, 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 I, I, let, me, let me turn over and read that right fast. It, the Lord, I feel like He's laid this on my heart. I want to read this scripture right fast in Lamentations just for a moment. And we'll be back in Jeremiah in just a second. I just want to read this scripture right fast. In Lamentations in 3.23. I'm going to start reading in verse 22. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in the Lord. Jeremiah is the same man that's going through this down and out time right here. We're reading about him. In the book of Jeremiah, he's the same man that penned down lamentations. He's the same man. He's going through a hard time. He's going through a battle. 
But we see later on he's come out on top. He comes out on top of this thing. He, he's, he can't make it without the Lord. He says that there, he talks about the Lord's mercies and his compassions being new every morning. It says, Great is thy faithfulness. Our faithfulness ain't real, real great, but his is. It's always there. He's always faithful to us. But I want to move on just for one moment. I've got one more point, and then I've got a list of reasons that we can go on, and I'll be done. I won't be much longer. We see in verse number 10, it says, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Preadventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. They're talking, Jeremiah's talking here about the people, about how they're saying that he will be enticed. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna come against him. They're going to win against him. They're going to take their revenge on him. Verse number 11 says, But the Lord, but the Lord. That right there is three very powerful words. It has helped me all through my life. He's always helped me. It says, over in, um, I think it's, I believe it's the book of Galatians. I'm going to be wrong. It talks about, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for with His great love, He loved us. Boy, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad. It says, but the Lord. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be here this morning. If it wasn't for the Lord, I'd probably be dead. If it wasn't for the Lord, I'd be in hell. He's done so much for us. It says, but the Lord, Jeremiah says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. We see Jeremiah's prevailing. We've seen his persecution. We've seen his pity. We've looked at his past. And now we're looking at his prevailing. Jeremiah's coming out on top. He's winning here. He comes out on top. He says, But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, that thrice the righteous, and seest the reins in the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I opened my cause." We see all these, that, that thought, I'm going to read 13 here in just a second, but I just wanted to stop. Verse 12, Jeremiah's wanting to see the vengeance that the Lord is going to put on these people that has rose up against him. There's people that rose up against us. Now, I, I want everyone to be saved, don't get me wrong, but there's some people that's been turned to a reprobate mind that's so wicked and hate Christians so much that their day, and we just sit back and we think, God, you're not going to do anything to help us. We're just sitting back, we're thinking, Lord, you're not, there's nothing being done about these people. They're just running over us. But we see here that their day is coming. God will prevail over them. Their day is coming. We've, I've read the last chapter in the, in the best book, friend. I know who wins. I've got all the faith in Him. I'm glad that tonight, today that I'm on the winning side for the Lord. I'm glad that He is who He is and He does what He does. I want to read down through here. He's going to deliver us one day. He's going, he's going to take the vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It's not mine to repay on someone. It's His. And in His day, He will do it. And He will do it justly and He will do it right. Because He is right and He is just. But in verse 13 it says, Sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord, for He hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. We see Jeremiah here. We see the enemy's plot. We've looked at the enemy's plot here. We see the prevailing. His prevailing. We look at the enemy's plot in verse number 10. He says, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it. All my familiars watched for my halting, saying, Preadventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge on him. 
But the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble. We see the plot in verse number 10 of his enemy. They're saying, all my familiars watch for my halting saying, preadventure, he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him. We see they have a plot to prevail against him. They think that they're going to come against Jeremiah. They think they're going to stand against God's man. There's a lot of people that have stood against God's men over time. They've, they've slandered them. They've, they've talked about them like a dog. They've made fun of them, the way they've preached, the things they've done. They've, just, they've stood against men of God. And these people right here think they're, they're, they've got a plot made up. Um, no doubt Satan tries to plot on how to defeat the Lord. No doubt he's trying to make up a plot. There's nothing he's going to be able to do. He can't do anything. He's not going to win in the end. The Lord is. We see here the plot of the enemy in verse 10. But in verse number 11, we see the person of the delivery. It says, but the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. The Lord is the person of our delivery. We're not, we're, we can't do it in ourselves. He's the person that's going to do the delivering one day. Not us. He's going to do it. And I'm thankful that He's going to do it because He's going to do it exactly right. He's going to do it just. It's going to be fire. And it's going to put an end to all the bad things that we've come to know. But in verse number 12 and verse number 13, we see the praise of Jeremiah. In the end, we're going to be able to praise. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven. We're going to worship Him for all eternity. We're going to be able to praise. Our praise is going to be to Him. It should be to Him while we're on earth. But especially when we come out, <clears throat> when we're going on for Him, We'll be able to praise in the end. It says, But O Lord of hosts that thrice the righteous and seeth the reins in the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them for unto thee have I opened my cause. Sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord, for he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. We see Jeremiah singing. He's worshiping. He's praising the Lord for what he's done. He's delivered. He's done what he said he'd do. He's delivered them. It was, he was down and out. He was defeated. He was, you know, he was persecuted. He was feeling pity. He recalled his past, and now he's prevailed. And I want to just read this quick list. And I'm done. I'm almost done. I just want to read this quick list of things I wrote down here. That the reasons it says I, I'm not preaching about. I believe I'll go on preaching about Jeremiah, about how he went on for the Lord, even though he was persecuted and down and out. I want to look at. The, I just want to read this list off. I wrote this down. It's an alliterated list. Like I said, I write everything down that way usually. Um, reasons we can go on is because if we're saved, He's our Father. He's watching over us. Everything we do, no matter what we do, He's there. He's watching over us. He's my friend. Is another reason I can go on. I can. I, there's a lot of people I can't depend on in life, but I can always depend on the Lord. He's always there. He's never failed. He's never failed one. He's faithful unto the end. Um, another reason I can go on is when he was hanging on the cross. I think of Samson a lot of times. Samson prayed to God. He prayed to the Lord. and He cried out for strength one more time. Samson wanted strength to bring vengeance down upon the Philistines when he was in, stuck between the pillars. He, he had the person lead him over to the pillars so he could fill them. He jerked them down and he slew more that time than he did in his whole life. And that, that's a message in itself. But... He pulled down those pillars and slain more in his death and he did his life. He cried out for, Samson was crying out for vengeance, but Christ on the cross cried out to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He cried out to forgive us on the cross. That was his last request to the Father. That was his last prayer, was crying out for us to be forgiven. But we also see that Christ cried out, it is finished. 
It's over. He done it. What he done was enough. He's more than enough. He done it. It was enough. The sacrifice was enough. It pleased the Father. We see that the Lord is faithful. He's never failed us. He's always been by our side. We see he's fire. He treats us great. He's given us breath to breathe. He's given us air to breathe, you know. He's given us a life. He's given a roof over our head and food on our table. He's fire. He's been good to us. He saved us from so much. He saved us from so much. He saved us from hell. He's kept us out of no telling what we could have been into. I mean, it's, un, it's just unreal things. You know, we could be on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, not know God or a bit more nothing about Him than anything. But He has kept us and He's allowed us to be born where we are. He keeps us from falling. He holds us in His hand. God loves us. He takes care of us. And the final reason I thought of reasons we can go on is because He was at the first. And if He's at the first, He's going to be at the last. When we get out of this thing, he was at the first, he'll be at the last. He is, the Bible says, he said, the Bible says, he is, I am. He is everything. He created everything. It's no problem for him. It's no problem for him to answer prayer about anything. Isaiah 59 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. It's not above him to do what he wants to do. He's God. He loves us. He's fire. He's just. And I thank him. I'm glad we are able to go on this morning. I'm going to dismiss in a word of prayer then and I'll turn it over to the preacher here. Lord, we sure do love you and we thank you, God, for the opportunity that you give us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the good liberty in this church, God. We thank you for your people that's listened. God, we pray if anyone out there is over the airwaves, Lord, that might not know you, God, we pray that you'll just touch them, Lord, this morning and help them, God, come to know you as their Savior, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. Help us to remember in this day and time, even though it's a struggle that we're going through, that we can still go on for you. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. I believe I want to go on for you. I pray that you'll just touch us and help us now, God. Thank you for salvation, God. Thank you for all the things that you've administered into my life. Lord, I love you, and I sure do thank you for being you. In your name, I do humbly pray. Amen.